Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding. That is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. Today I am with Julius Geis, who is based in Hawaii. Our topic today how identity building branding attracts clients who really care about the true intrinsic reasons of your business. Before we get started, I would like to tell you a little bit more about my guest. So Julius, guys, is uh, someone who was born in the area of Stuttgart in Germany, grew up there, went to school, eventually lived as well in several parts of Germany before moving to the US, to the West Coast, and from there eventually reaching Hawaii, where he currently lives with his wife and kid and enjoys a wonderful time because he is able to do what he really loves doing, helping other entrepreneurs and businesses and big corporates as well to really develop their branding, their identity, is the most important thing that helps them to really be ahead of the game, have that competitive advantage in today's environment, which is not that easy when you compare that so many companies are actually doing branding. But if you do it the right way and with a special touch, you really get a competitive edge. And before we go actually deeper, just to remind you, the topic is how identity building branding attracts clients who really care about the true intrinsic reasons of your business. And so let's go and listen in. So, Julius, what, how can you actually define identity-built branding? Um, identity-built branding is a branding framework that helps brands understand their identity. So, who are we? Uh, build an identity awareness to then look for guidance and direction from within versus the outside. That's the basic principle of identity-built branding. So in the traditional branding um, world, we 
we use something that we call a market-based definition. So a market-based definition is that a brand um, circulates around something that the outside is defined, right? So a market potential, a client potential, etc. Identity build is different. It looks inside. It, it asks questions, uh, identity questions that give answers on an intrinsic viewpoint of who are we as a company. And then from that definition guides, so if you can think about it as a compass, guides um, your operation through that lens of your identity. So that actually then affects, uh, for instance, um, how you can attract employees, um, customers, or even partners. Exactly. So identity build branding is literally a relationship-centric branding approach. So the relationship is the center of everything we do as a brand and as a company. So to your point, Christian, yes, um, it's ideal um, to to create employee loyalty. It's ideal to um, attract new employees uh, because employees today are looking for more than just a paycheck. You know, purpose-driven branding is, is one of the keywords uh, in, in, in today's discussion. Um, but it also is a great guidance for stakeholders, partnerships, and any relationship, intrinsic or extrinsic, a brand is dealing with. That's, that's exactly right. So that as well relates then as well who we want to have as a customer. It would be the same thing like, for instance, if a bank decides it doesn't want to invest uh, or give money to companies who do weapons or something, for instance. They would say we, are, um, we focus on an identity that we want to be sustainable or eco-friendly and so on. Mm -hmm. So it would have to, if they do something with somebody who isn't matching, it would be counterproductive. Hmm. So, so there, there is a partial truth in what you said, um, that, that the, the identity-centric um, approach um, connects you with like-minded people. Um, so that is true. But I'm, I'm, I'm cautious and, and I want to make sure that people are not getting it confused with, you know, an end result that is cancel culture. Because an identity-built brand, um, yes, has an awareness of what what its values is what its purpose is why what what's what's their contribution to this to this world with the products they're supplying etc but it doesn't come from a judgmental viewpoint so just because you're not having an alignment with somebody uh, or you do not share the same mindset um there's not like a rejection so i just want to make sure that the audience you know sees the difference that knowing who you are leads to an authentic self and to an authentic decision of saying yes or no, but it comes without the judgment. So like it, it, it shouldn't relate or it shouldn't end in, in, in cancel culture. And the, the definition of identity, uh, we sometimes use it in politics too. There's something like identity politics. I don't know if you heard about it. Uh, Trump was, was known or was, was driving the, um, that the context of identity politics, but I also heard it actually in, in European media that more and more European media is now talk about identity politics. So that's a bit different than identity build uh, branding or an identity build um, a company in operation. So it, it, it's, it's literally more about the awareness and understanding of what's the, the source of, 
of that brings us all together. Think about the founding spirit, that, that energy that connects us, that builds culture, that creates momentum versus the identity that separates me from somebody else. So it has, it's less separating. It's rather um, um, confirming and strengthening from, from the inside versus separating others. I hope that makes sense, but um, I, I think that's the best way to explain it right now. <laughs> so um, as you've been working with a lot of different companies that use um, this identity-built branding, What areas usually are, what industries are they across all different ones or is there a trend at the moment? So first, uh, first of all, identity branding is literally for, for any industry, for every size of a company. Um, it, is, it is, I encourage uh, small companies or large companies um, to, 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 to create that identity awareness. Um, so I, I couldn't say that there is a specific industry where I see more, you know, where, where I see more benefits than in others, because it, it is literally about the intrinsic, the intrinsic attributes. So the industry, meaning the market, the context you're in, it doesn't matter too much um, from an IBB perspective. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. So, um Is it something that then usually is done by by entrepreneurs or is it as well corporates who, who would use IBB? Mm, yeah, so it's 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 for both. Um, the 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 entrepreneur or any startup has has the advantage that it is young. Um, so many times, like. One principle of identity build branding is that we are looking at the beginning. So we start with a workshop. Um, and in this workshop, we guide the leadership um, or a, a group of people. It's mostly the owners and leadership. If it's a corporation, then it's just leadership uh, through a bunch of different questions. And based on their answers and the interactions, we are, we are getting the insights that then help us building identity fragments. When we work with entrepreneurs and founders, um, it's usually that they are more connected with it instantaneously and intuitively because it's their baby, because they just started it out, right? So you be closer to that, what we call founding spirit, because you're still in a founding process. But it's either or, it works with, with, uh, with all parties, it works with all sizes, um, and it's equally interesting <laughs> from a strategist viewpoint, you know, um, I love working with um, smaller startups who just who just founded a company and are really excited about the future and everything. But it's equally interesting to work with a family owned business who is um, who's who's try who's trying to develop a future vision and using identity build branding as a status quo analysis to then be able to build a better future strategy. So it works for both. It's equally interesting with both. I would say um, a bit more advantage for the, for the young starter because he's already there. But again, um, that's why we're here for to help them walk, walk, walk them through the process, so to say. And, and how long does it usually take to, to build this identity, especially when they've been used to all sorts of other strategies, but now decide they really want to go on towards identity-built branding? 
So my recommendation, um, first of all, be, be, before going into the timeline, is to, to use identity build branding, the identity strategy, as the initial strategy of all strategies. So in an ideal world, from my viewpoint, a company builds an identity strategy first, answering all the questions of who are we, the definition, like, you know, there's things like purpose, mission, vision included as well, values is included, but also things like an identity statement. It's a very distinct um, statement of what we are, what we don't, what we want, what we stand for. It's, it's, it's very interesting, like, you know, to read through it. The idea is that the identity statement literally allows somebody to understand and, and kind of like sense the character of a company without even yeah, knowing the company. That's, that's, that's the goal. And then use that identity strategy as a foundation for all future strategies. So from there on, you can build a brand strategy, you can build a marketing strategy, a tone of voice strategy, a business strategy, a product design strategy, whatever kind of strategies you need, but use the identity strategy first because it's the definition of your original source, like the foundation of everything uh, and then you build these specific strategies upon it. And it works greatly because identity build branding allows you to interplay with other strategic approaches and other strategic work. So it's not an exclusion. So you, you don't have to just do IBB. You can interplay with other strategic approaches. And from a timeline, uh, it really depends on a company, um, but we will, we, it's, it's minimum six weeks. To, um, to finish with an identity strategy, but it can go up to six months if you walk through the complete process that then includes um, reflection and modifications. So within six months, you will have, you have some sense of kind of like um, integration of your, of some of your identity framing inside your company culture and in, in, in other strategic approaches that you're having. Or that you're using in your company. Okay, and and if um, if somebody uses uh, this branding strategy, um, how does it differentiate them in performance compared to a company who doesn't care about that, who doesn't do anything about their mission, the vision, their identity, and all these different things? Mm. Um, especially when you think, for instance, you've got a big corporate against you, or let's say competing with you, and you as a startup or or small family-run business, you decide to invest in identity build branding, and how can they actually then benefit from it as well mm -hmm. financially and, and market-wise and that? Mm -hmm. Well, let's yeah, then let's use the the the, the relationship that the the brand customer relationship as an example, right? So the If, if we look at if we look at current studies, um, they are really they are clear that uh, one of the biggest components or, or, or key like key identifier of selling a product or be successful as a brand is is a trustful relationship with your customer. So your customer customers want to trust brands. If you then go further and ask and, and look at, at studies and research, so but what is building trust, right? What 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 makes certain brands like what makes customers trust in certain brands and, and, and less trust in other brands? It usually comes down to something that we call authenticity. So there is something very authentic on some brands, how they communicate, 
how they are consistent in their in their communication, how they're continuing in their in their that they're continuing in their in their messaging. They have something. Um, there's something kind of like reciprocity, right? It's kind of like that back and forth. They're interested in this exchange and they have something very specific. And, and I would say these four values together um, create something that is, that, that is authentic, that leads to trust. And brands that are built identity-centric automatically have these values embedded because they come, they come from an authentic self versus other branding or marketing approaches have a manipulative approach in communicating. They are not coming from a centered self. Their messaging is created by whatever is trending and whatever might interest the customer. It's kind of like fishing, right? You're throwing in a hook and someone will catch it. So customers became smarter and smarter and smarter and they identify that. And they identify these messages and inauthentic and they don't buy it. And that's what studies show us. And that's why I encourage um, brands and companies to rethink their approach in communicating, building marketing, and building brands, rather from, from, this, from, the, from that true authentic self, their identity, that inside-out approach, versus fishing for customers by you know, creating fancy slogans and creating fancy messages, but then don't have any backing by their actions and by by you know being able to keep their promises that they're promising in these messages. I hope that made sense. <laughs> yeah, that's actually quite interesting because I think um, there's so many ways of uh, using as well words, even like trust and so on in marketing and sales, copies in logos everywhere. And in different countries, uh, different colors have got this world different meaning. Mm -hmm. But it's quite interesting if you take it really further on and really do it in a way that actually the, the customer or the, the audience has an ability to somehow have the feeling they, they can touch what they're seeing, even though it's exactly. a business or a company or a company leader who is maybe far away from them, but still somehow for them uh, to a certain degree, maybe uh, high up where they think, oh, that would be great, of course. To work for them or maybe even have one have business running one own business but uh takes that person maybe as a as a role model as a mentor or anything like that no it's exactly right i mean it, it i i used trust in the in the relationship with customers but it continues yeah to to your point if it's about um hiring new employees you know winning the talent war i would say identity built brands are much stronger in 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 being able to win in the talent war because they, they deliver something more than it's, than it's just a paycheck or a great job description. They, they, sell, they sell their intrinsic self. And that's what people are interested, especially millennials, right? They, they want more than just a job that makes money. They, they want to identify with something. And they also want to identify with, with something they can you really contribute to what's valuable to them. But how can I do that if I don't know what's valuable to you? If you as a company are not sharing that in an authentic way, then it's really difficult for me to build that connections. And then again, that's where I see IBB as a, as a, as a, as a true game changer because it, it's not just a, a sectional strategy, for example, for HR. It is a holistic strategy for the complete company 
to always set relationships first. And, and, and that's where I think IBB also, from a performance perspective, outbeats uh, traditional strategies. Yeah, and I think as well that sometimes companies get a little bit uh, overwhelmed sometimes with what they are supposed to do. And, and eventually when the new leader comes in, he just thinks he has to change everything, which uh, then, of course, confuses people. It's, it's bad enough if you change the packaging of a product and you go into a shop, you can't find it again. But if, but if the whole <laughs> business changes in identity and everything and you suddenly say, oof, Uh, this is not really me, then, of course, as a customer might decide looking to somebody else. For instance, if you are into cars and you you have a car and you decide, okay, now it's time to buy a new car, and before you were always uh, happy with one brand, and suddenly you think, well, I'm not actually quite happy with the identity of this company, with what they're doing, but uh, this other company might be interesting for me. I might buy it. It doesn't mean automatically I'm straight away going to go and buy that car. I might take some time and decide, okay, wait and see, is it now the right time? Like, for instance, now if you want to buy cars, uh, the manufacturers haven't got chips, so many factories mm -hmm. are standing. So it doesn't matter, whatever. At least you'll <laughs> take more time to decide, okay, am I going to buy this car or that car from another brand? Mm -hmm -hmm. But it's an interesting thing because you've got time to add more seed to... But it's it's true in what you're saying, right? So and, and I, yeah, why not why not using cars as an example too, right? So um, especially when you go in the back in the old days, um, you you had BMW and they were standing for something. It was a bit more progressive and it, it was a bit younger, sportier than, for example, Mercedes. So I'm originally from Stuttgart, so. Um, And, and you live in Munich, so we have this. We always had this this competition, and, and then we had Audi. But then over time, right? You know, um, for example, BMW. Then they extended their, their 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 model portfolio. And my wife actually just asked me the other day in the car, it's like, why is that a three series? Was that a five series? And then and actually, we saw an X7 in here in the United States. And I told her, you know, back in the days, they only had three models and it was great. And, and, and it was purely position. And to buy that car was an extension of your identity, especially, you know, these lux luxurious brands. But then, you know, the, to your point, you're making a selection of what, what reflects your values, which is part of your identity. So today... You know, you might you might buy a Tesla or you might buy an electric car from another car brand. I, for example, buy an i3. And the only reason we have an i3 is because that was the the electric car available here on Hawaii. And we wanted to support a, a new movement in cars. And we felt my wife is a sustainable designer. Uh, I worked with a lot of sustainable brands in, in the apparel industry. So we said, you know, that, that is who we are today. So we, we choose to have an electric car. And, and I think that's, that's, that's a good example also for other, for, for other brands who have other products uh, to just come from that and then connect from, you know, the reasons that you're, the reasons why you're producing a product and be authentic about it. That's the, that's the only You know that's the only um, that's the only thing you really have to 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 um, to be sure is that you can prove and back your promises and and then the rest will follow. Exactly, because uh, funny thing is, you said mentioning uh, Stuttgart and Munich. Actually, after school, I I did an apprenticeship with BMW, and the mm -hmm. funny thing is, at that time, my father was a 
passionate Audi driver. And uh, of course, over the years, always Audi, Audi, and then suddenly BMW. And then we were <laughs> practically indoctrinated to think everything that wasn't BMW was below us, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was absolutely actually quite crazy because before when the introduction of the Aqua Audi Quattro and that was, of course, great. Everybody was uh, happy about that, how that car performed and races and so on. Mm. And um, yeah, and when you think of it, all the marketing stuff, and I was involved during my apprenticeship as well with the Rover merger and uh, mm-hmm. different departments there as well, all this stuff. I miss Rover. I like Rover as a yeah, brand. I, I still even have a Rover tie. I still have a Rover oh, tie I, and a Rover pen, which uh-huh. I, I bought. I had an opportunity because uh, being half German, half British, so of course it was uh, excitement to, to be... Um, in contact with people of other cultures and other opportunities mm-hmm. to see more and more other things. But that's the thing, for instance, if even back if 15, 20 years ago, if I had told somebody, we'll have like these and these models, they'd all say, you are nuts, go into the loony bin, you're, you're crazy. Mm. And today we've got all these different models and it's it's huge. And mm. some of models, yes, they might be uh partly a replication of what at that time um, Rover had, like the Land Rover and so on. Mm-hmm. They've still got the Mini, they kept the Mini, but the Land mm-hmm. Rover they, they got rid of and the others uh, all went more or less down mm-hmm. the hatch. But um, when you think of it, all these cars are there and they're still, of course, now having to compete with um, quite a few new brands, not only Tesla, there's Polar, from, which is a subsidiary from Volvo. Then we've got uh, Peach, which mm-hmm. is now as well a ele- full electric sports car developed by, I think he's the nephew or the grandson of mm-hmm. Ferdinand Peach. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a competition, very smart, sexy car, really nice. But of course, if you are more into Tesla, you look, oh, yes, great, and so on. And everybody's now talking not just about electric, hydrogen, nevertheless, mm-hmm. the infrastructure isn't there yet. But uh, of course, you see all different brands are trying to not only position the cars, but somehow position themselves as well in a new way. I just recently saw a short clip, a TV program that was made as a little interview about Generation Z, which is, again, the kids that are now about 18, 17, 16. Mm-hmm total different mindset again to the millennials again so it's mm. a total new lot of people coming in eventually they'll have the money to buy cars to buy other things eventually find jobs some of mm. them might start a company or join a startup and it's again a very different kind of mindset but it's still closer to the millennials than if you think for instance to baby boomers and that very different uh, mindset and even those are obviously gradually adapting as well as the pandemic has even forced those mm. generations to go more online, online mm. shopping, and and try other stuff and uh, recognize what's mm. possible. So, but see, even if you you mentioned that with with the change in in, in you know in, in consumers' mindset, because I mean that was always fascinating for me as well as a brand strategist. These constant change and these differentiations within you know generations, and yeah, you have the millenn- baby boomers, millennials, big gap, and then. You, like to your point, the Gen Z already is vice versa, much more traditional, like traditionalistic than the millennials are. And you're thinking, oh, really? But that that's what I like too on identity build branding is we don't focus so much on these outside influences. So it's rather it it, it always comes from that from that intrinsic questions of about yourself as a company 
and what you are in the context of your environment versus whatever, you know, however the market and the consumer mind is changing. Because there's always a match, you know, for, for something that is authentic, there will always be a match. And yes, sometimes that means that you may lose a, a certain amount of, of market share. And sometimes it means you increase a certain amount of market share. But it, 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 it can be run profitable. Um, because in my opinion, at least in my experience, uh, the, the biggest market share or increasing in market share doesn't necessarily mean an increase in profit. You know, you can you can make a lot of revenue and still only make a dollar in profit and you can have half the revenue and you can have 100 percent more in profit. So it really depends, I think, on what what's the, what's your overall strategic approach as a, as a as a brand and as a as a company. Um, but. To me, at least, IBB always gives that right-centered balance um, and, and makes you like guides you in making decisions much more from your from your yeah from your beliefs than focusing too much of these distracting outside influences because you could never change so fast how the outside will change anyway at certain points. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly, and then it really changes as well how you then use that uh, branding that you've generated to actually t uh, send it outwards. Because otherwise, just writing it down and having it somewhere hidden on your homepage or that that won't really do much. So you mm -hmm. have to, of course, be able to think: okay, how are we going to send it out to the world in a way that it still remains authentic? Otherwise, everybody says, "Ah, oh, this is just a joke. You just <laughs> wrote up something, and uh, you don't really care for it." Correct, it and that happened many times, right? I think sustainability is a great example for that, that companies realize suddenly in the last 10 years that sustainability actually is a thing consumers actually want to have. I mean, today is a given. I remember in 2013, I worked for an, for an apparel brand and we launched, you know, it was, a, it's, was had great approaches, like close to Patagonia and Faude and these kind of brands. They had a very good, like, yeah, had a very good sustainable uh, a charter and 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 but no one cared about it like the 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 retailers would say well it's great but you know no one pays a dollar more just because you have a sustainable garment or anything like that or you you pay your your you you pay your suppliers uh, uh your global suppliers more money who cares yeah we it, it's it's about the end price today 10 years later that that totally changed like today, it's like you have, um, you know, REI in the United States or Klopfdrader in Germany. You have these big retail chain who say, well, we don't even list you if you don't have a minimum amount of sustainability, if you, if you can't prove it. And, and that's going back to, to, your, to your comment, Christian. Many companies then created that sustainable messaging. But if you look inside the company, there weren't really for sustainability and consumers identified that. And that's why I'm so passionate about today's consumer is that they're just interesting and they're just, you know, they, they're looking deeper and they really take the time and, and reading actually a sustainability report from a company. And if there's something wrong, then they post about it and they call it out. And that's why, what, you know, what, what, what helps companies to become better that helps products to become better so for me it's a very exciting time 
Yeah, because you see as well, people as well are more outwards. It's not just many people nowadays don't read that much uh, newspapers. So they're, of course, more on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all these other places. Mm -hmm. And some, of course, especially negative messages usually uh, spread up faster. Mm -hmm. Or like somebody posting some ad on something and suddenly lots of pilots and posting on it and saying, hey, that's crazy. That's uh, ripping off people because the prices are over excessive. And it's still the same plane that costs uh, half the price before that school was actually taken over mm -hmm. and that's the things that then really go out and instead of having lots of people who want to actually go and take a course uh, you've got a lot of people who are actually making a lot of noise against them which is not exactly what you want in other areas it's the same for instance mm -hmm. even in automotive um, Volvo for instance introduced as well the technology of blockchain in order to as well make it uh, possible for you to track as well where all the components and the materials came from so um and that's even a, a joint venture that did i think with samsung i think together so mm -hmm. who deliver all the necessary uh, materials for the battery mm -hmm. of the car so of course this way they obviously noticed okay we have to adapt the way we we sell our products how we offer and how we prove that we actually do something and not just claim oh we we're good and and everybody has to believe it because they see some downloadable pdf and that's it but if they mm -hmm. actually can check it and i'm sure that's in other industries the same thing where they're trying to improve the way uh, aircraft are consuming less fuel or uh, other kind of products uh, like for instance in um, smartphones for instance you can see from greenpeace all the different lists of smartphone manufacturers who are actually producing something very environmentally friendly or whether they are taking care of the staff or actually exploiting them mm. or having them work in some sweatshops and terrible situations where they think wait a minute this phone is cheap but do i actually want to own that kind am i actually willing to contribute to this kind of situation or do i want to improve the world Otherwise, why buy? Exactly. I, I, it's exactly right. And transparency and the ability of, you know, open source maps were, were a great thing in apparel as well, in automotive as well. I, I, I wonder why Volvo did it as blockchain technology, but that, that would be a, an individual podcast worth. <laughs> when to use when to use um, blockchain technology and when don't. <laughs> uh, but again, that, that would be an own, it would be an own topic. Yeah, I think they just looked for something that's somehow at least uh, more trustworthy than a few paper certificates. <laughs> okay. And it's, of oh. course, uh, you can do it on the go in contrast to some PDF that you have to download or something. So it's maybe an idea. Somebody had maybe an idea. Let's try this out, which is good because there are plenty of companies out there that if somebody has an idea, they try to kill the idea. 20 people say, uh, why not to do it? Instead of saying, hey, 20 people, let's do it. And one maybe says, yeah, but think about this and this last thing. And maybe you ad adapt your course a bit, but you don't give it up straight away. Mm. Which is, uh, especially when you think of it, uh, all these personal branding and build branding and other kind of uh, activities business before didn't bother about these things that they had a brand that everybody knew the name because they existed for 200 years but we know nowadays it just needs the right startup to come around and a company that's been for 400 years gets blown off the market because they haven't adapted the products they haven't renewed their way of treating customers properly on these things and they have really not even a proper identity because they've forgotten why actually the founder for and you started the business, not only just to make money or, or to get people in jobs, but actually because there was something 
that was crazy enough in his mind to do this because uh, I think then and even today, uh, starting a company, you need to be a bit crazy. Otherwise, uh, you wouldn't take the risks of that. <laughs> That's well said. <laughs> you need to be crazy to found a company. That is true. Yeah, yeah, that's that's thing, and that's actually then as well a good uh, place as well to then showcase that somebody has as well an identity and the business actually is, and you see it with with people uh, like Musk or other kind of people that are very prominent, but there's well plenty of people who have quite a good identity, but maybe more in their niche visible, and mm -hmm. if you're not into that niche, you might not really take uh, take care of that, or maybe are actually not aware of it. But those who are in that niche. They see it and they identify it. There's so many things around the world that people use. We just mm. don't even know that exists. In that. That's true too, yeah. Yeah. So it was quite interesting uh, today to talk to you about uh, identity build branding. And I'm sure we'll be talking soon about similar topics to take it to the next level. Because I think there's so much to discuss and go deeper in. Um, nevertheless, till then... How can people get in contact with you if they want to know more or, or get more insights? Yeah, the best thing is to go on my website. It's www.juliusgeis.com. And um, that gives more insights about IBB and it links to our you know, individual IBB website. It um, links to our consultation work we're doing and products we're developing. So That's a good hub to start. And of course, social media, LinkedIn, especially uh, Julius Guys, that's a good way to connect with me as well. That's great. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Bartsch. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmedia.com.
reach.com. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contracts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter by using the Twitter handle CAP Barge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Yes, that is CAP Barge. Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Thank you.